And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to another Wine Chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Jack, happy spring. Yes, indeed. The first day of spring. How exciting. It really is. It looks like a nice day, too. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll take it with all these nice days we've had. Absolutely. Not so bad. What are we going to chat about today? I thought I would answer a lot of the texts I get, including letters, etc. They pile up. And I find the things are quite interesting, and so I thought we'd answer a few, because probably a lot of these same questions are on everybody's mind. Uh, what is your, me, Jack Farrell, what's your favorite wine? Well, whatever happens to me in my glass at the moment. But I guess I might be a Burgundian. I think Burgundy makes the best Pinot Noir and the best Chardonnay that you can find anywhere in the world. A Burgundian, I think Burgundy makes the best Pinot Noir and the best Chardonnay that you can find anywhere in the world. So I like Burgundy wines. That doesn't mean I don't like other wines, but those would, I'm partial to the wines of Burgundy. Uh, I have a friend who puts ice in their wine. What do I think of that? I think it's just fine. Your friend's the one that's drinking the wine. No one else is. Uh, if they want that wine a little diluted, well, so be it. That's their business, uh, none of mine. I, mean, I would hate to see it, especially with a very, very expensive bottle of wine, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's how they like their wine, and that's how it should be. It's just like a very common question I get all the time. I like such and such a wine. What do you, meaning me, Jack Farrell, what do you think of the wine? Well, it doesn't make a bloody bit of difference what I think of that wine. It's what, as long as you like it, go ahead and drink it. Uh, you know, I think I've said this a thousand times. The only Latin I remember from prep school is de gustibus non desputanum est, which simply translates, in matter of taste, there can be no dispute. And it's your palate, your taste, etc. So it doesn't make any difference what I think of it. Just enjoy it because you like it. Are rosé wines just for summer? Absolutely not. I think rosés have a place year-round. In fact, uh, along with Riesling, rosés go very, very well with any kind of smoked meat. If you're having a smoked pork chop, try a rosé with it. And rosé runs the gamut from very sweet to bone dry. Uh, What's my favorite rosé? Well, again, it's a French rosé called Tavel. It's from the Rhone Valley. And all they make in Tavel is rosé wine. And it's a little bigger, a little bolder than most rosés. And I happen to like it. But that doesn't mean your rosé, which maybe is a rosé d'Anjou or one of your favorite California operators' uh, rosé, just drink it if you like it. But rosés definitely are not uh, a seasonal item. They're available year-round and they sell year-round and people drink them year-round. However, they do go best on a very hot day uh, when you're sitting on the porch sweating. A nice cold rosé would be delicious. And speaking of cold, people ask me all the time about the temperature of wine. What temperature should wine be? Well, a red wine actually should be a little chilled. Uh, Most of us drink red wine too warm. A proper temperature for red wine is about between 65 and 70 degrees, and that's when it's at its very best. Uh, when the wine gets to be 80 degrees or something like that, uh, you know, it, it just isn't going to taste that good. And with white wines, 
45 to 55 degrees is my temperature range on them. Uh, a simple rule to remember is uh, if you want to put uh, a chill on a white wine and you haven't, you've got uh, none refrigerated at the moment, put it in a bucket of ice, fill the bucket with water and the ice, and let it sit in there for about 8 to 10 minutes. That water... Uh, because it transforms the uh, transmits the cold from the ice into chilling the bottle, and twirl it once in a while to mix it. Uh, twirl the bottle that is once in a while to mix the wine inside around, and you can chill a wine in about eight to ten minutes with that uh, thing. Very very easy way to chill wine, and always remember a wine shouldn't be too cold. If you've got some white wine that you uh, want to get rid of, and you're having people over. Uh, make it ice cold. Everybody will like it, and uh, it just deadens the thing, so you don't want it too cold. That's why I say the coldest you should ever have a wine is 45 degrees, in my opinion. Uh, and you can make it colder, as I say, if you want to uh, push a wine. Everybody likes it on a hot day anyway, a cold glass of wine, and they'll drink that wine. How do wines get their name? Well... <laughs> There's so many different ways. The Probably the most prominent is geography. Chianti is from Italy. Champagne is from France. These are areas in there. Burgundy is from France. Uh, Tempranillo is from Spain, etc. Port is from Portugal. That's geographic. Then there's a varietal, you know, whether it's a Cabernet or a Chardonnay or a Merlot or a Pinot Noir. Etc. So it takes the name from the varietal, and then there are fantasy names which I just love. Uh, my favorite one is Enfant Jesus, the baby Jesus, and the reason that is is the person who was selling the wine hundreds of years ago. They said, "How come your wine is so good? It's Jesus it tastes like Jesus in velvet pants." How you get something like that, I don't know, but Enfant Jesus is a great fantasy name, as is Leapfrog Milk. Leapfrog milk translates virgin mother's milk. And, uh, you know, that that's an anomaly unto itself. But anyhow, that's the way. So it's geographic, or the varietal, or fantasy. And those are the only ways wines are named, one of those three. Somebody said, what's the difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio? Absolutely nothing. It's the same grape type. It depends where it was grown. Generally, as a rule of thumb, Pinot Gris is a New World wine, and Pinot Grigio is Old World. So Pinot Grigio mainly comes from Italy. Pinot Gris mainly, uh, our biggest production area of Pinot Gris in the United States is Oregon. And the Grigio is a lighter, has higher acidity, and is more crisp. Pinot Gris is more full-bodied, spicier, and heavier in the mouth. And that only comes from the soil and where and how it's grown. Uh, not because they, they're they exactly the same varietal, uh, Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris. Uh, I also think, uh, people tell me, I was in France, and I drank a lot of wine, and I didn't have a headache the next day. What do they do to their wines there that make them so easy uh, to take down? Well, let me tell you, absolutely nothing. It's your sick simply your frame of mind at the time. You're relaxed, you're on vacation, 
you don't feel guilty because you had a little extra wine, etc. So there is no difference. And, you know, people say, oh, they save the best wine for their selves. That's not true. They sell the best wine. That's their business is to sell good wine. And they well, they may hold a little wine back for family and family birthdays and special occasions like that. But everybody sells that frontline wine uh, to everybody. So they don't save the best ones. Uh, another one asked me about uh, with uh, sulfates. You can dissipate sulfates. Don't If you're allergic to them, don't you do it. But have somebody pour it back and forth, decant the wine from one container to another, back and forth three or four times, and almost 100% of all the sulfites will dissipate during that aeration of the wine. Uh, is there such a thing as a good, affordable California Pinot Noir? Yeah, there is. A, a, one from Fog Mountain Vineyard I think is very good. It's a kind of wine you want to have everyday drinking. It's inexpensive, and it's really a delicious Pinot Noir, Fog Mountain. Another good one, again from California, is called Pravinera, P-R-A-V-I-N-E-R-A. It's a terrific Pinot Noir. They're neither one of them very expensive, and uh, you'll be very pleased with not only the wine, but the price of that kind of wine. Uh, <clears throat> another question came to me, what's the grape type in Prosecco? Well, this is a timely question, because about three years ago, they officially changed the name of the Gelera grape, which is uh, what Prosecco is made, has been made from forever, but they changed the name to Prosecco grape. And the Italian Agricultural Department recommended it. The European Economic Committee Agricultural Department okayed it. So now the Prosecco is made from Prosecco grapes. Can you recommend a good Prosecco? Yes, we have one called Captiva that I think is just sensational, uh, and it's modestly priced. So Prosecco is a fun wine. There's a little spritz to a little bubble in it. It's not quite the same intensity as champagne. And it's a nice aperitif wine, Prosecco, in my opinion. What are the five things you look for in wine? Well, again, that's a simple question. Uh, color, aroma, bouquet, taste, and aftertaste. Those are the five things. Color, you look at the wine, is it clear, not cloudy? Aroma, does it smell like wine or, or does it smell like what it's supposed to smell like. Bouquet is a little more sophisticated. Does it smell like Cabernet or does it smell like Sauvignon Blanc? Then you put the wine in your mouth, taste. Does it taste good? That's fine. And last is the aftertaste. After you swallow that wine, what kind of a flavor does it leave in your mouth? And if all those are in order, those are the five things you look for in wine when you're tasting and testing wine. So no matter whether people are giving it a 10 points or 100 points, that's all based on those things. And if you'll notice, two of those, the aroma and the bouquet, are based on your uh, olfactory experience, smelling the wine. That's why wine should never be served in a glass full to the top. There always should be enough space at the top of a wine glass where you can get your nose in there and actually smell and enjoy the wine. Here's another one I get constantly. Uh, I would, Grandma died, or Aunt Bess died, or Uncle Charlie died, 
and left some wine in it. So leaf brown milk from 1957. What's it worth? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, unfortunately, only about maybe one and a half to three percent of the wine made in the world, the whole world, is made for aging. So you're looking at a very, very small percentage of wine takes age well. So most old wines don't. And most wines really should be drunk within five to seven years after their vintage. Now, there, again, there's exceptions to this. Chateauneuf de Pops last real long time. The great wines of Bordeaux, the great Cabernets of California. There are certain wines that are <coughs> indeed age-worthy and do take it, but it's a small, small percentage. And chances are a finding a bonanza in a, somebody's old cellar is pretty remote. And uh, that uh, 57 uh, leaf brown milk, in my opinion, probably wouldn't even be good to marinate meat in. It's, it's so bad. But anyhow, one of the best ways to learn about wine, in my opinion, is to write some notes down when you're enjoying the wine, and get out a corkscrew and pull wine. Try different wines. The, the wonderful thing about wine is every bottle, in my opinion, is a new adventure. And you pull that cork and you're off on this new adventure, and you make notes. And like I say, you're the only one that's going to look at the notes, so you don't have to use the nomenclature that the wine people use. Uh, the more information you have on the wine, the better. And it's all on the bottle of the wine, you know, where, where it comes from, etc. And uh, the, oh, another person said, I opened the bottle and there were some, looked like crystals on the bottom. Should I throw the wine out? Absolutely not. Those are tartaric acid that have precipitated out of the wine. They're tasteless and harmless. Uh, as a matter of fact, generally when they have that, the wine's a little better. But uh, those crystals are not harmful, and they're strictly tartaric acid, which they make cream of tartar out of, incidentally. And yes, indeed, someone said, is wine good for you? Yes, indeed it is. The ancient Romans knew that, and today with places like the Mayo Clinic, we have recognized the fact that wine is very, very healthful. Of course, in moderation, but it is a healthful thing. So there's some questions answered. I think it would be a lot of fun. If you have any other questions, just text me or write me a note at Care of Haskell's, and I'll be delighted to answer any questions you have uh, about wine, at least to the best of my ability. Fantastic. I love that. We should do a whole show on that sometime, (laughs) like an hour. We could easily do it. Jack, uh, let's uh, talk about Haskell's a little bit here before we take a break for news. Folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine, and they're really specialists at it. As a matter of fact, right at this moment, this is the last weekend for Ted Farrell's Spring 6 for 60, where he's picked out six wonderful bottles of wine, a Pinot Gris from Oregon, a white Bordeaux from uh, Bordeaux, which is, uh, this white Bordeaux happens to be 100% Sauvignon Blanc, so it's very interesting. It's called Lumalot. Then Koala Shiraz from Australia, Dupin, uh, which is a red chateau from Bordeaux, a blend of Merlot and Cabernet, Bombas Cote de Rhone, which is a delicious wine, and then Regentia, 
Nero d'Alva, which is the red wine of Sicily. If you like Merlot, you're going to love Nero d'Alva. Uh, it's a nice wine. And these six bottles of, of Sicily, if you like Merlot, you're going to love Nero d'Alva. Uh, it's a nice wine. And these six bottles of wine that I mentioned can be had for 60 bucks at any of the Haskell stores. And there is the Haskell's near you, where they do deliver. All right, very good, Jack. Well, thanks so much. Let's uh, talk next week after I'm the first week of spring. Thanks so much. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.